0: You're listening to The Jill Monaco Show, episode number 24. Welcome to The Jill Monaco Show. I'm your host, Jill. Each week, I hope to bring you a message that inspires, encourages, or challenges you to go after and live a life you love. Join me and my friends as we explore what it means to love God, love ourselves, and love others. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Here we go. Weeks, you'll hear from some of my favorite people. They all happen to be in the music business. You know, when you see someone's success, especially on social media, we don't see the trials or know the background of their story. You'll hear about things that they've never shared publicly. You'll also learn what God is currently doing through them. You'll be so encouraged in your faith. I promise you won't want to miss a single episode. My guest today is Jason Davis. I met Jason and his wife, Heather, back in 2008, when I was the director of an artist relations program for an affiliate of Wycliffe Bible Translators. Now, we met at the Gospel Music Association's GMA in the Rockies, which so sadly does not happen anymore. Um, And that's where they would um, just nurture new and emerging artists. But we became fast friends, and I am so thrilled for you to hear his story. And we're going to be talking about how he wrote a hit Christian song, which wasn't meant to be a Christian song plus his story of overcoming really the enemy's plan to destroy him which you might think is right out of a movie i know i was captivated when i heard it to give you a little background on jason he has worked with many worldwide stars including boys to men sugar ray p diddy alabama lone star dolly parton among many others jason is an entertainment industry executive with a broad range of titles including award-winning songwriter award-winning author Independent ra- record label president. He's an executive TV producer, entertainment consultant, uh, former senior VP of ANR for Dolly Parton's management company, and well, as far as long as I have known him, a serial entrepreneur. He has also secured record deal offers with CEOs from the largest music companies in the world, including Capitol Records, Sony, Epic, Atlantic, and RCA. Traveling between New York, London, Los Angeles, Miami. And Nashville, where he makes it home. He um, has built a reputation working with the top songwriters and producers and recording artists in the in- entertainment industry, really on a global level. His career began as a songwriter when he was discovered by Grant Cunningham, the former VP of A&R for Spiral Records. And he went on to write a number one billboard hit. He received several ASCAP songwriting and publishing awards, and he has co-founded Cutting Edge Entertainment Companies. He's also uh, a co-president and partner of Higher Level Agency and is an artist manager with First Company Management. So looking forward for you to really get to know Jason, the man who loves God and pursues him with all his heart. So Jason, thank you so much for being on my show.
1: Thank you for having me and thanks for the wonderful introduction.
0: You know, you've been one of those people that has had kind of one of those relationships with God where he, he speaks to you in different ways and, and you just follow um, And from what I know from your journey. So I really want people to get to know um, some details about how you've, how you've walked with God. One of the earliest, um, the, well, one of my memories and what you had shared was your journey of seeking something, and you ended up writing the song Captured which became Mm -hmm. the number one billboard hit. Tell us about how that came about.
1: Well, you know, the, the first part of what you said, ever since I became a believer, uh, a little over 11 years ago, I'm very thankful, uh, that I've always, since day one, heard, heard Holy Spirit's voice. Mm -hmm. And I, I, I don't really view it so much as I'm listening to him. Um, or doing what God is telling me to do. I just view it more that I don't really have a choice, you <laughs> know, cause I, I love him and, and I love, I love the Lord and he gave me life. Um, and he, he saved my life numerous times. And so, um, when, when I hear him speak to me, it's, it's not generally him asking me to do something. It's kind of like, this is what you're supposed to go do. Mm. Um, but as far as, you know, uh before I found the Lord and many years ago I was always songwriting as a kid um, was always in bands as a kid and um, my mom and dad were Jewish growing up not, not very religious family and I just grew up seeking uh, just had tons of questions about why was I here what's the purpose of my life why is everything the way it is and um, I, and I felt like I didn't really have those answers and I knew that those answers had to exist. Yeah. And um uh, so I was always open to what people had to say or their belief systems and would listen and and um I about <clears throat> about 22 23 years ago I started hiking a lot on my own. Um and I was, you know, very early 20s and Just was trying to get some calm and peace and quiet in my life and and, uh, relax, but also ponder and and think deeply. And uh, there's nothing like hiking to do that.
0: Yeah, I agree. And so uh,
1: on those hikes, I think God just started getting my attention through the complexity of nature. I think for the first time in my life, I started noticing that the butterflies knew each other and the dragonflies flew together and the ants knew each other and everything was intelligent and um, every kind knew its kind um the different kinds of animals or insects never got confused i mean there was never butterflies flying with dragonflies and and every leaf was different um every ant was different and uh And then also at the same time just seeing the grandness of sitting on cliff tops and just seeing how big the world was um there is something amazing about getting up on cliffs and mountains and and really seeing how huge everything is and how small we are and for the first time in my life i started asking questions you know that i'd never asked before like you know are you there god you know who are you i would like to know you And right around that time through just the deepness of hiking and the deepness of the questions i was asking my songs started becoming deeper Mm -hmm. and and i didn't know god at this point but god this song captured was really god breathed through me um i'll never forget i'd written hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs as a child and teenage years and early 20s and this song was just different um i picked up the guitar And the chords to that song and the way that song is played is definitely uh, not super simple, at least the way I wrote it. And um, it was the first time I picked up a guitar and I actually didn't think. I just, my fingers felt like they were led to a place. And I started playing a progression that I had never played before on the guitar. And I wasn't, there was zero thinking. I was just, it was just like, I knew where to go and the words were like already there. It was almost like I was transcribing the song. Mm. And I just thought at the time, cause I didn't know God that it was like this super deep, really cool song I wrote. And, um, I couldn't see any biblical references in it or God references in it because I had never read the Bible in my life mm-hmm. and I, I didn't know Jesus. And, but looking back, you know, um, you know it, somebody in the christian music industry heard it and uh, pursued me and the song and put it on a christian record and it became uh, a number 1 christian hit song back then and but looking back now that i know god there are definitely biblical references throughout the song and god references throughout the song so it's pretty wild i mean when i mm. hear a pastor or something you know or in the scriptures when it says that you know god it really wrote the Bible through men. Um, you know, I, I can sit back and say, "Well, God wrote a number one hit Christian song through me, and mm. I didn't even know God." You know, so yeah, um, yeah. But that's
0: that is so great. I yeah. love that story. What are some of the lyrics from the song?
1: Uh, the opening is, "I have to tell you, I have to tell you, I'm captured inside. You shaped my world." brought me to life. Um, Can't remember the next lines. It's been (laughs) a long time. Uh, The chorus is the chorus was I see heaven. You have opened my eyes. I feel forever when your heart is close to mine. The moment you set me free was the moment you captured me. You've captured me. So
0: after you wrote that and you had this number one hit, what did that lead you in the music industry to next?
1: Um, well, Grant Cunningham, who had kind of found me and discovered me, he was a vice president of a for Sparrow Records. He asked me if I had other songs. I, I started sending him a bunch of other songs I had written, and he started placing other songs that I had written on other albums through for, for Sparrow Records. And at the same time, there was a girl... Um, probably a couple of years before that I had just written some songs with and recorded with for fun. Um, she ends up randomly right around that same exact time uh, getting a record deal through way Latina, which was Warner music's Spanish label out of Miami. And um, I just like right after this thing with, with uh, the hit song happens, I get another call that um, Warner Music wanted whoever had written these songs and done these demos with this girl to actually do the album for this girl, Francesca Cezanne. And so next thing you know, I, I was like put up in Miami for a couple of months and we were I was in the middle of making a Latin album for Warner <laughs> Brothers, um, which was really bizarre too because I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> um, so really like the first three albums I was on were just like kind of foreign to me. Like it was like a couple of Christian records and all of a sudden I'm on a Spanish record. (laughs) I'm not a Christian. I don't speak Spanish. Um, and then, and then, you know, I started, you know, meeting with labels in New York and, and, uh, getting more into, you know, pop music and, and, uh, rock music. And, and, uh, I felt like as a songwriter that, A lot of my victories and what I was experiencing was very much um, solo. And I started having this desire to find artists um, because I felt like, okay, I'm getting through these doors of record labels. My dreams are coming true. How cool would it be if I worked with somebody where I could make their dreams come true Mm -hmm. and, and help other people get through these doors of Sony music that I can't believe I'm walking through? and so i started looking and talking to people and keeping my eyes open for artists and that's kind of the heart and the drive that got me into management um just this desire to kind of help make somebody else's dream come true Mm -hmm. Um, because when the dream came true i mean the dream was even bigger than i could dream i mean i never thought i would be in the music industry i just loved music so much So when it happened, I mean, it was so overwhelming for me. I mean, it was like fireworks were going off in my life and my heart was exploding. My brain was exploding. I couldn't believe my song was on the radio. I couldn't believe I could meet with record labels inside record label buildings. And there was such a wonder about it. And um, I just thought, like, how amazing would it be to be able to do this for other people? you know, and, and make their heart explode. And so that's kind of what made me start looking for artists and songwriters and producers and looking for people that I felt were more talented than me.
0: Yeah, and so you ended up finding really great success in the music industry, um, if I remember right, you were living in LA and there was pretty much, there was nothing you couldn't do.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a pretty intense worker. So, and, and I'm very focused um, when I want to achieve something, I do laser beam focus in on it until it's achieved. Mm-hmm. And I'm not afraid of, you know, something taking years to accomplish. So I, I spent, you know, a solid seven, eight years in the beginning, um, just laser beam focused on growing and learning and trying to climb the ladder. Um, and I got to a point where, um, you know, probably 14, 15 years ago where my career started exploding. Um, so I was living in Los Angeles and I think to most people on earth, they would say that I definitely had it all. Mm -hmm. Um, I had the cars and the houses and the assistants and, and, um, was making more money than I ever thought I would make in my life. Um, but at that point, you know, I, I still didn't know God, and uh, I'd kind of built this life uh, that was very hard to maintain because it was, you know, a lot of people that live in Los Angeles that make it, they kind of live right at their means to kind of show people that they have a lot. Hmm. And I was very lost and under a lot of financial pressure. Um, I mean, we had to, my company had to make an unbelievable amount of money a month just to get by. Wow. And um, I was reading actually I started reading Barry Gordy's book on the building of Motown. Um, it was crazy. Like many years ago, I worked with his grandson a little bit, uh, developed him as an artist. But I was reading Barry Gordy's book on how he, how he built Motown. And he was at a place um, wh- when he finally moved to L.A. and Motown was an established label. He, he was at a place in the 1980s where he was losing millions of dollars a year Wow. and he his company had to make 40 million dollars a year just to break even and uh you know that's uh, I wasn't at that level but I mean it was a glimpse for me of just how much pressure I was under in Los yeah. Angeles um and due to the pressure and just having all my dreams come true and realizing that the payoff that I thought it would pay off, you know, I wasn't happy inside. I didn't have great relationships. I was still pretty self-centered. Um, a lot of people around me were self-centered. A lot of the early childhood pains and hurts that I felt had not gone away. Um, and I was like, man, if this is the payoff where you're just drowned in pressure and, and, uh, kind of emptiness. You know, like, like, you know, and and I understand why a lot of these Hollywood stars and celebrities wound up dying or killing themselves because I I was in the exact same position. I just wasn't a celebrity where everything I ever dreamed of happening came true. But I was still very empty inside and I didn't have love in my life. I didn't feel like anybody loved me. Um, I didn't really love anybody. I was very self-centered and. You know it's like man if this is it if this is the payoff like i don't want to be here anymore and um so that's what led me to a place where i i had um contemplated very strongly ending my life in los angeles
0: and didn't you get to a point where you had it all figured out and how you were going to do it
1: well i actually had checked into i I did plan it and I didn't tell anybody what I was doing. And I checked myself into the Ritz Carlton hotel in Marina del Rey. Uh, I checked myself into a suite with three bottles of sleeping pills. And I was a hundred percent intent on ending my life in that hotel suite. And I ended up getting a, a call shortly before I did it. Um, and at the time it was, uh, a business partner of mine and um he had called me and said that this other guy that he knew wanted to partner with us and i'd wanted to partner with this person for a long time and um he said that you know he finally made a decision that he wanted to partner with us and they were going to be in los angeles the next day and um would i take a meeting with them and I instinctually said yes and then i hung up the phone and i said wait a second i'm, I'm in the middle of a hotel suite ready to kill myself and mm-hmm. i just i just set up a meeting for tomorrow yeah <laughs> and uh so i checked out you know with the intent that i would check back in after the meeting and and complete it and uh during that meeting um one of these guys asked me if i knew jesus and i was 33 years old nobody had ever asked me that question before um i was always a seeker so like anything else i said no but tell me what you want to tell me and he started telling me some bible scriptures out of the bible and those bible scriptures just hit me harder than anything i'd ever heard in my life and he he told me a few and after each one i would say wait wait that's in the bible and uh, he would then tell me another one. I'd be like, "Wow!" And I'd never read the Bible before, so,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, yeah. that that was really the beginnings of of really just God rescuing me and and um restoring and changing my life.
0: So, how did you actually? Was that the day you came to know the Lord, or did it happen after that?
1: That day, I I, I came. To, I asked him later on in the day if he could write down those scriptures that he told me and he wrote them down on on a yellow sticky pad on different notes on different pieces of paper and that night I was laying in bed and I picked up these sticky notes and I put them on my hands and I was laying in bed and I just was reading the scriptures and I was like this is the truth like this is Hmm. what I've been looking for my whole life like this is real like you can't deny what I'm reading and then the next day we had gone out on a sailboat together and I'd rented a sailboat with a skipper. And so we were out in Marina Del Rey and I went out to the ocean and on the ocean, I felt like God was like in my mind replaying the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I was like really contemplating the scriptures that I had read. And, and I was like looking at the sun and, and I had this kind of like moment where I noticed probably for the first time for real that, the sun, wherever I was on the water, the beam of light came directly to me. And then it hit me. I was like, man, if I was like 10 miles down the beach and I was somebody else, the path of light from the sun would come directly to them too. And I just found it amazing that you could you could literally line up a thousand people along a beach and every person would see the path of light come right to their feet. And, you know, I traced this narrow path of light back to the source and it was called the sun. And one of the scriptures was about, you know, that he was the light of the world. And one of the scriptures was about that the narrow path um, that few would find and wide was the, you know, path to destruction. And, you know, here I am on the ocean looking at this dark body of water on each side of this narrow path, knowing that there's sharks in there and it's. You know and i thought to myself like i i have destroyed a lot of parts of my life and there's this narrow path and it it's coming to me and it leads to the sun and it just hit me that the light source uh, here physically is actually called the sun um and it just kind of blew me away and at that moment this guy that was sitting next to me said and we never looked at each other but he told me to close my eyes and i closed my eyes and i saw Um, the face of Jesus and I saw his hands praying for me Mm. and I mean my head went back it was like bright white light it was pretty amazing because every time before or after I've ever closed my eyes I just saw black and I just see black when I close my eyes yeah and um with my eyes closed I heard my you know his voice say to me um do you see him and I said yes and and um I heard his voice say to me my friend's at the times voice say to me, um, it's Jesus. And I said, I know with a tear in my eye and this is all a matter of seconds. And I opened my eye up, my eyes up and went away and I looked at him. I was like, what the heck just happened? And he's like, I don't know. Why. I closed my eyes and I saw this and I just knew that you were going to see it. And, hmm. uh, I mean, just, just an unbelievable, You know, I'm so thankful for that because nobody could ever tell me that what I experienced wasn't true or that the Lord's not real or, you know, so, um, Mm -hmm. that, that next day was the moment that like, I fully, you know, I mean, I actually, I won't say fully gave my life to Jesus. I I would say that I I gave my mind and my heart to Jesus, but there was still a lot of areas that he needed to penetrate, um, that he would, you know, over the following years.
0: Yeah. Yeah such a I love hearing that story again um and yet when you after that experience from what I remember you told me there was a lot of spiritual warfare that happened in your house shortly after that
1: yeah so th- those guys were actually staying with me for I think a few days or a week or something like that I think maybe a few days and literally that night after you know the um the bow and the experience um I think, I think after that, we ended up going to a Christian bookstore and I bought Bibles for, I bought a Bible for the first time in my life. And I think I bought a few Bibles actually for different rooms in my house. And we went back to my house. um, And it was like, literally like you could feel it. Like my house was haunted Mm -hmm. and it was crazy. And um, we were, we were hanging out. We were three grown men, like scared, like little boys. And it lasted about 24 hours where, I mean, we were like really scared. Um, And, I mean, it was like eerie and uh, felt like almost like a horror movie. And. um,
0: Were like doors opening or something you said and slamming?
1: There was a couple, I think there was at least one time, 100% there was one time where like a door slammed. I mean, and. I had a, I had a two cats at the time, and they were walking around the house, which they never ever did before. After this, they were walking around the house with their backs hunched, huh. and all their hair was up. I mean, it was like it was insane. Wow, and uh, scary feeling. And um, when I got saved, I, I had my whole house was with Buddha statues and paintings of like you know, pictures of like painted elephants on the walls and waterfalls in my house. And what I was trying to do, like, I didn't know what I was doing. I I was pretty spiritually blind, but I I was, I tried to make my house in Los Angeles feel like you walked into a spa Mm
0: -hmm.
1: because, you know, spas kind of like feel relaxing. Yeah. And so I had tons of Buddhas and all kinds of stuff. And one of the guys said to me, he's like, man, I don't want to tell you what to do. He's like, this is your house and everything. Um, but, you know, you have like a lot of Buddhist statues and you have like the, these painted elephants, which are like gods in, in in Hindu. And I was like, they are. I just thought they were pictures of elephants, you know, and <laughs> and, uh, and you know all these kinds of different things. And he, and and I, I, I like chimes hanging from the ceilings. And and he's like, man, he's like, this stuff is like, you know it's 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 not you know it's like it's like god says like don't bow down to statues and buddha like you've got these statues like where you're looking to a statue or a piece of rock for peace and a rock's not going to give you peace and and he he kind of explained it to me and he's like you know you might want to think about cleaning out your house and i was like man i don't need to hear another word and i just i literally spent the next hour like throwing everything you know in my house like out of my house and the second i was done cleaning up the house it was gone wow i mean like and you could really feel it i mean it was just gone and it was like this presence had left and it was like kind of like god honoring you know me Mm -hmm. listening you know and and um you know me will i mean i I threw out thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars worth of stuff and i had no care about that so i think you know god showed me like hey if you listen you follow me, like I'll clear the path for you.
0: That's powerful. Yeah. And if I remember, <laughs> one more thing, didn't didn't you have to go back to New York and there was a fire or something? Like it kind of continued in different ways.
1: Wow, what a memory you have! <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I pretty much God told me to leave everything I had in L.A. behind. Uh, I literally left my entire life behind. I left behind everything. Hmm. um and uh you know at the time a friend of mine had an open condo that I could stay in for a little while like maybe you know a couple of months or something and um and so I moved from LA to New York and basically got off the plane and I stayed one night in a hotel and the next day I was supposed to start kind of moving into this condo and literally like the next morning I was supposed to move in like the whole condo building burned like caught on fire and burned. And so here I am, like I moved across the country with nothing. I left everything behind and <laughs> it looked like I had nowhere to stay. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean it was it was it was, uh, it was unbelievably um, intense for a little while when I first got saved.
0: Wow, and how much longer after that did you meet Heather?
1: I met her five months later and um you know I wasn't going to church at the time I just I was just trying to read my bible and some nights I would read my bible and cry my eyes out because I understood what it was saying And I would, for the first time in my life I started really talking out loud to God and telling him how much I loved him and apologizing for so many things I had done wrong in my life and um for, you know forgiving people and, and then other nights I felt like I was reading a, a foreign language um so, and I was Jewish, so I didn't really know I was supposed to go to church. Oh, sure. And so five months later, I met Heather just with a group of, of, of people. And um, she. I started asking her a lot of questions because I could tell she knew God better than I did. And she was the one that encouraged me that I should get in a Bible teaching church. And she was the one that really brought me to um, church for the first time.
0: That's great. Yeah. So how did this change your career in the music industry?
1: It, it changed it to me in pretty significant ways. Um, I think if you look at me from the outside, you know, uh, more on a surface level, it looks very similar to how it's always looked. I mean, I was very successful in LA and, and um, you know, God's really blessed me in, mm-hmm. in recent years and that there's, a, there's still successes there. Thanks to God. Um, mm-hmm. But on the surface it kind of looks similar um but you know my mind my heart has changed tremendously how i do business you know integrity character wise is is very night and day um and, and so like a few things are that what at the moment i got saved i was surrounded by the biggest people in the music industry working with the biggest people in the music industry But they were all unbelievably Mm self-centered. And, um, you know, I wasn't around honest people. I wasn't around character people. Uh, I wasn't around people that have integrity. Um, And um, then after I got saved, shortly after, God put this prayer in my heart. Once I learned to pray, God put this prayer in my heart that God would – You know, basically, um, you know, because I left everything behind in Los Angeles. So I I started praying that God would return me up from the valley, a different mountain than I had been on a Mm -hmm. mountain where when I got to the top and met the biggest people in the music industry and worked with them, that these would be people that actually cared about other people and loved other people well and had a heart to serve other people. Um, and God is faithful. You know, when our prayers are for other people and, and are for righteousness, he always answers. So the people that surround me today are about as night and day difference as you can get, um, just as far as character, integrity, honesty, um, how they love people, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a shocking difference and also my heart, you know, before I got saved, I was always, you know, the deal came before people, um, Mm -hmm. people always came second to me, um, these days, you know, thanks to God, you know, um, people always to me come before the deal, um, I always come second and, uh, you know, so, or, or, or I, you know, I should say that I, I, uh, my desire and mm-hmm. what I really try to do in my life is, is come second. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so I, I think those, those are some, some pretty key, key ways that God has changed things.
0: Yeah. You know, you mentioned how to love people well, and, um, the, the theme of my podcast, I hope is just conversations that encourage us to love God, love ourselves and love others, and just to love well. Uh, what is something that um, stands out to you that's something God has taught you on how to love people well?
1: You know, I am so thankful that you asked that. Um, th- that is such a great question. Um, and one thing that God has really been putting on my heart a lot lately very intensely is and and i am jewish so i'm about to go to money okay um so i've been in business for 21 years and in the christian community or outside of it the bible says that the root of all evil is the love of money so money's money's a great tool Money is something that we need to have. It's something that could tremendously bless other people or build things or build ideas that can bless other people. Mm -hmm. But God says that loving money, um, striving for it, lusting after it, loving it is the the actual root. Mm -hmm. Like if you pulled out every single evil on this earth out of the ground, the roots would be according to God the love of money and so i just find that whether it's christian circles or outside christian circles 21 years in business i find that most people you know are friendly are nice are can be charming um can be a good friend to you but when money gets involved things often change it's true And people easily, and the enemy obviously is working overtime to, you know, spread lies and convince people, you know, but like we as humans can justify wrong behavior so easily in our minds. Like, I mean, this is not, maybe not the perfect example of it, but this is an example. Like the employee steals from their boss because their boss is a jerk you know and my boss is mean to me all the time so i took a i took a couple of extra samples from you know the company or whatever or like whatever it is and this one time i forget i had this guy that i was kind of friends with and he owned a restaurant and, and i was like man like how do you manage this all like how, how do you how do you manage a staff this big i mean it was a pretty huge restaurant and he looked at me and he, and he wasn't a christian but he looked at me and he goes i just always make sure that the lions the lions stay fed, and he was talking about his employees. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> and like, like, like hey, if, if you keep the lions fed, meaning if if you pay them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: they're tame. If you don't pay them, they're lions. <laughs> you know, That's and so interesting. I, and I was like, you know, I was just like, wow, you know, and and you know, twenty one years in business, I've had people lie to me and deceive me and um make plots behind my back against me um christians non-christians actually steal from me um on a pretty regular basis over 21 years and a decent amount of those people were quote unquote christians and well and i and i do believe they are i just believe that god's still working on them and I've watched Christians like try to extort people for money. Um, and um, and I just think like, you know, if the root of all evil on this earth is the love of, of something. And we are part of why we're here on earth, you know, is to push back evil. Yeah. You know, we are, we are literally as Christians, we are called to be a preserver of the earth and people yeah and 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 morals and and the goodness of god and and the attributes of god we're called to be the preserver and so if you know that okay this is the one thing that's more of a root problem than every other thing on this earth then one of the things we could do as christians is go overboard in keeping our word and keeping our integrity and keeping our character when it comes to money so like You know, there's a lot of Christians out there, or people in general out there, that delay paying people. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like, you know, hey, you know, you work for me, I owe you three hundred dollars, and the person's got to come to you three times asking for their three hundred dollars. Um, you know, somebody says I'll pay you three hundred dollars, and all of a sudden they don't have it,
0: right? (laughs) You know, and
1: and like just just I mean I could go on for a while, but I think just Paying people on time, letting your yes really be your yes, letting your no really be your no, um, doing what you say you're going to do for people, never playing around with somebody's money, realizing how good it feels to get a paycheck, never holding that over somebody's head, never making them wait. I mean, the way I am, you know, if I owe somebody, you know, $20,000 or something like that, I mean, the second it hits my account, it's gone. You know, I mean, like, I don't hold on to it. It's not mine, yeah. you know, um, no matter what my position in life is, you know. So um, I think that's one thing I just want to encourage. You know, I, I know a lot of churches and a lot of pastors, and you know, we will bring in speakers and bring in music artists and, you know, just, you know, sometimes people forget that they agreed to pay for travel. And they, they don't pay somebody for travel or they, they pay them like mm-hmm. four weeks later for travel when the artist mm-hmm. or the speaker paid it out of their own pocket. You know, those are the kinds of things that I think, you know, because the Bible also says that the way we love each other um, is, is how others will know that we belong to him. Right. And I think that paying people in money and all that stuff is one way of many, one way of many. But it is a way that you could show people that you love them and that you honor mm-hmm. them and uh so that's been something huge on my heart lately and um that's yeah. that, that's
0: it i i agree i think if if we're not doing things different than the world and we're doing it the same way then they don't see it as love um yep. and it's hurtful i've had i would agree with you some of the things that you mentioned have happened to me from pretty well-known christian people that didn't mm-hmm. pay me for work i did and um, and I've just had to give it to the Lord. I, I remember one story that I did a lot of work for someone, and um, they owed me thousands of dollars. And at the time, I wasn't in a position to work for free, and I, I told them that. And, uh, and so long story short, they didn't do it. And I wrote my prayer intercessors and said, you know, I just spent all this time and all these weeks, and I, I had nothing. Like, I had no income coming in. This is when I first started my ministry. And so I wrote my intercessors, just please pray, pray for my heart that I can forgive this person and let it go. And, um, you know, just pray for God's will to be done and for him to provide. Well, one of my intercessors read that and she and her husband had prayed and they sent me the money that was owed to me and from their own pocket.
1: That's, and that, and that's the love of God. Yeah. And, and, and that's the stuff I'm talking about, um, from both ends, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I mean, I, 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 manage a music artist and he's probably done a hundred concerts in the last year. And um, so many times people haven't had what they said in a contract that they would have Mm -hmm. um, or they've been delayed in paying, you know, what they promised in a contract. And the other day he played a concert and somebody gave him a check that had an extra $50 on it. And it's, it's only $50, Mm -hmm. but it's still like they overpaid. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, but, but that is the love of God, Yeah, you know, like that's the heart of God. And like, I, I had this one, I mean, I could go on for days and stories, 21 years of business, but I had this one guy who is a, a, a Christian man and, and he, and he is a Christian man. <clears throat> God's just working on him. But we had this agreement for a deal that we were going to do and it was, you know, worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And um, he basically plotted, uh, which I didn't know he was, to steal um, this from me hmm. and uh, really like leave me in the dust on this one deal. And it was hundreds of thousands of dollars and it was a deal that I had built and I had brought to him and and he was making a living because of it. And he stole it from me. And I'll never forget. We were on the phone. And I was, you know, nicely confronting him. And I said, you know, we had a deal and, and I never did a contract with him because we had known each other for a long time and I didn't think we needed one. And um, I just have always operated where I like to trust people and, yeah. and, and trust their word. And and I confronted on and I said, you know, we had a, we had an agreement. And he goes word for word, he says, um, you don't have that in writing wow and i was like you're right i don't yeah <laughs> you know and i was yeah. like okay you know and it's just like and and i actually said to him in response i said but we're christians
0: mm-hmm.
1: like we shouldn't need something in writing yeah and yeah it's good to have you know we should have things in writing but my point was the bible says your yes should be yes you know yeah. and and then i think that if that one thing if we as believers just change that one thing, all of us collectively, Mm
0: -hmm. I think
1: that alone could make a really positive impact on the world around us. I agree. Um, And, you know, no one's perfect. I mean, no one's going to always walk it out perfectly, but um, that is definitely something that's on my heart.
0: I love that. And coming from someone who has been in business, I think, you know, there's a lot of Christians that are in business and certain things are accepted in certain industries, but it can't be when God is our, you know, the one that we promise to live by the way that he wants us to live and honor one another. Um, totally. So I think that's a really important point that no one has brought up on the show on how to love people well. So thank you for bringing that yeah. up. I, I, Thanks
1: for asking an amazing question.
0: Yeah. So one of my favorite memories of someone being so generous to me in this area of finances was you and Heather. And we were in Nashville. I don't remember what event, but we were walking down the main strip. And all of a sudden, you, and we were looking in stores and stuff. And you and Heather got really serious. And you said, and I remember you guys saying it like it was a big, heavy subject. And I was like, what? And Heather said, we want to buy you a pair of boots. And I felt like a little kid who just got the the biggest and best Christmas present. (laughs) Like, like you guys have no idea how much that meant to me. I don't think I probably, you know, shared it with you. But like you said, so we went in this boot store. And you said, Jill, pick out any pair of boots you want. And I was like, I had never had anyone be like, Well, you can, you know, I always thought, well, spend this much, like, here's your budget, you know, but you so represented the heart of God, like, I'll never forget it. And there was like this whole wall full of boots. And I was so in shock. And I was trying on different boots. And I remember one pair was like thousands of dollars. And Heather said, that's fine. And I was like, what? <laughs> and the one I bought, luckily to you, the one I liked the most that fit me the best was not thousands of dollars. But um I am, I, I am realized glad, I am
1: glad to hear that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well that it wasn't
1: thousands yeah, of dollars. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it was not. Yeah. Um but I remember just feeling um like just really spoiled and, and it was one of the first acts of generosity that I had ever experienced in my life from people that wow. were really new friends. So thank you so much. Thank God for, for that. just
1: that is so yeah. not us, it's all God, but thank you for thank you for
0: hmm.
1: reminding me of that. That that's amazing.
0: Well, when I come see you in Nashville, I will definitely bring my boots. <laughs>
1: awesome. Awesome. <laughs>
0: everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in to the podcast today. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, there's a couple things I'd love for you to do. First, if you would subscribe to my show, that would be great. That way, the most recent episode will always show up in your feed, and it's ready when you are. And second, if the ministry has impacted you, would you please help me continue to reach others? You could leave a review. That helps a lot. Or you can click in the description, and you can give to support the show now. Now, to find out more from Jason, you can go to jillmonico.com, click on podcasts, and you'll find this one along with all the other episodes there. Um, so thanks so much for tuning in today, my friends. And remember, love well, you were made for it.